I was born 1989 in Stockholm to two very loving parents, Klaus and Anki. My father used to call himself a paper merchant with a grin, a good testament to the humble values of the Swedish community. He actually owned several office department stores and was well off. My mother was a successful actor, as was my brother when I was growing up. The smoke rose up towards the heavy chandeliers that hung from the ceiling of the hall. The hunter's arrows pierced the air, and the magicians threw fireballs at the dragon's double heads. But this boss was a really tough bastard. His sharp teeth shone in the dark as he chased each one in the guild who dared approach him. Together with druids, priests, and magicians, the knight important had fought for hours to get there, to the penultimate beast to be destroyed before the battle would be won. Their guild had been tactical and clever. Sometimes all forty of them had joined into a united troop. Sometimes they had split up to destroy enough dragon eggs without expiring. Now important was hidden behind one of the stone walls of the castle, which lay cut into a mountain in the eastern kingdoms. In his fiery yellow armor, he moved resiliently and swiftly. He was a paladin, a knight with magical properties, who came to the rescue when someone else in the guild was losing their vitality. On the whole, Important was a character who justified his name. He had knives in both shoulder plates of his armor, flexible iron gloves, and his belt was the most coveted. Between the helmet's visor and the dark cowl, his eyes shone an intense white. Sometimes the knight rode around the Alliance's capital, Stormwind, only to feel the envious glances of others when they saw the mighty horns of his horse's armor, a clear sign of what a devoted soldier he was. The sixteen-year-old Tim Bedling was sitting in his bed with his back leaned up against the wall and stared important exactly where he wanted. His fingers slammed against the keyboard in his lap as the knight ran to save yet another warlock in distress. His friend, Friedrich Boberg, who everyone called Flicko, was sitting beside him on the bed and looking on. It was evident that the guys had been playing for several hours. Between glasses of stale Coca-Cola lay half-chewed sweets, crisp crumbs, and spat-out packets of tobacco. Fricko and the other friends had come to Tim's parents' apartment on the street of Linnegarten, straight after school, dragged up their computers and monitors to the fifth floor, and set them up in Tim's room. The clock had now reached long past midnight, but the raid and world of Warcraft was still not over. One of the other friends had nearly fallen asleep on his keyboard. In this little room, Tim Berling had grown up. Here he had drawn portraits of his parents and friends, written poems about the leaves of autumn and the girl in class he was most fond of. From his parents, he had got a subscription to the magazine Science Illustrated, and he plowed through everything he came across about satellites and archaeological excavations and robots. Tim was especially fascinated by outer space. When he was a little boy, a telescope had been launched into orbit outside Earth's atmosphere. Hubble, as this dust-and-bin-like machine was called, was equipped with cameras that, from their high position, could take sharp photos of everything from dying stars to luminous galaxies. Tim flipped through the close-ups of a giant gas cloud that seemed to be taken from a scary fairy tale book. 
Huge pillars of dust and gas lit up in ultraviolet light, reminiscent of monsters howling into the cosmos. It was probably in a similarly remote place that our own solar system had been created once upon a time, impossibly long ago. With the fastest spacecraft man had ever invented, it would take over a hundred million years to get there, to the incomprehensibly eternal. As Tim was sitting engrossed in his thoughts, his mother, Anki, busied herself in the kitchen, where she would cook meatballs and spaghetti for her son on the other side of the closed door to the right of the stove. Her beloved little Timelim, who was so longed for when he was born in September in the last autumn of the 1980s, when she reflected on it, Anki remembered how intensely she had wanted to have a child with Klaus, even though they had both just experienced broken marriages and were already a little over forty.